Welcome to Reality Tea Times 2, the podcast where we discuss all the trash reality TV we love to hate. I'm Tanika, and today we're going to be discussing 90 Day OG. So before we get into it, um, we are going to do some hot costs, not everything. We're going to do some hot costs. We have, um, I think it's like three, four main shows. We're going to split the hot goss among those shows um, because we are behind on Toe and Family Chantel as well. But you will get um, separate episodes for that um, for the most part. So we will be doing separate episodes. So you will you will be splitting the hot goss among those episodes. So how we're going to be doing these episodes um prior to the break is we're doing it more of the same formatting of what we do for the quote-unquote bonus episodes. So that's basically what we're going to be doing. We're not going to be doing a full recap. Just going to do my thoughts. So that's going to be for um, 90 Day OG, Toe, and Family Chantel. So for, to make this make sense, I guess again, we are behind Toe, the two episodes that were missed, are going to be combined. We're going to talk briefly about the um, episode before the finale, briefly, but the main focus will be on the finale episode. You will be getting that as a full recap, and then the tell-all will be this more, my my thoughts on certain things on the episode. Um... And then with Family Chantel, last week's episode will be full recap episode, but then Monday's episode will be, um, again, high-level thoughts. So that's what we're going to do for that, just to make that make sense. Um, so for 90 Day OG, let's focus on that for a second um, with the break coming up. 90 Day OG for coverage during the break, we will do kind of high-level thoughts of any missed episodes, but we're not going to be doing full episodes for that. It's too much to do that. So we're not going to be doing that for 90 Day OG, but we'll do like one episode kind of talking about some of those high-level things that may have happened so that it makes sense for recaps going forward in the new year. That's what we're going to be doing. And, uh, Let's jump into some hot costs. So, for those who don't know, I'm sure a lot of us kind of do know at this point, that Yara and Jovi are going to be moving out of Louisiana and going to be looking for a home somewhere in Florida, um, either in Miami or somewhere else in Florida. I can't remember where else in Florida, but they're looking for that. Oh, so yeah, here we go. From either Miami or Fort Lauderdale is kind of where they're looking. And uh, yeah, they're at the time of this, I'm not sure if they still are, they were in Miami house hunting. So yeah, so there's that. Next. We are hearing some movement that there is going to be a second season of The Last Resort, and 
this time, it could be filming in Arizona. So there apparently was a casting call for innovative coaches. Um, and the actual thing, casting call, that came out of the official 90 Day uh, Fiancé uh, Instagram account shared this on November 21st. And the post, like I said, called for innovative coaches with out-of-the-box therapy methods. Uh-huh. And it goes on to say, are you a boundary-pushing coach with a penchant for unconventional therapeutic methods? Do you believe in the power of thinking outside of the therapy room to bring about transformation? If you're ready to showcase your, your unique approach to coaching, we want you for an exciting reality show. So apparently other additional requirements for applicants include willingness to challenge conventional norms and inspire change. And also feeling comfortable with participating in unconventional activities for therapy, I've mentioned. So in the post, that is where it was noted that the filming was going to be in Arizona. So it also kind of also added that coaches with diverse backgrounds and methodologies and the ability to speak up and challenge clients is probably also a requirement. So I, uh, I do have the actual casting call. Um, so I will post that to our social so you can take a look <laughs> at it. So yeah. I think we'll end it there for Hot Goss. We'll save the rest for um, another episode. But let's hop into this most recent episode of 90 Day Fiance. I do not know the the time name of this show or which number we're on at all. So let's just go into it. We're going to go couple by couple like we always do. So let's start with Nikki and Justin Igor. So basically they do like this i'm not gonna talk too much about the beginning aspect of things but what i will say is her complaining constantly about not having sex and then he has sex with her mind you yes three o'clock in the morning is too much but he does have sex with you and you still complain like you're not satisfied with anything like i'm so confused by her anyways so, you know, anyways, they do the wine tasting, which was actually very funny to kind of see her really get loose here. And not to mention, Nikki, no one needs to know that you need him to drink up so you can have more sex. This poor guy's like, what the fuck? So yeah, that was funny. And they had a great night. Great. And then they go to the breakfast which is the main thing I want to talk about. And he mentions that ever since she got that ring, he has been faithful. But before that, he has not been faithful. And he gets upset at the fact that she's upset because he was unfaithful. And kind of in a way, I'm not going to say gaslighting her, but like not understanding the issue here, you cheated hands down point blank 
don't pass go, none of those things. You cheated. Done. So you arguing with her about the logistics, I guess, is neither here nor there. But her timeline basically is she filed paperwork in June. They got engaged August. I'm confused. Don't you need to be engaged before you do that? So confused. Anyways, they got engaged in August, and that's when he stopped cheating. So prior to that, even when she had applied, he was cheating. So she's mad. She's big mad. Obviously, I would be too. And uh, basically says, well, I'm done, and she walks out. I say good for her in this moment. I don't give her a lot of moments, but good for her in this moment. Say to her ground because that's not okay. That's not cool. You know, like, cheating is cheating. You can sit here and say, well, you know, it's, that's, yeah. Because clearly you're able to have sex with women, quote unquote, born at birth, women, but you're not able to sleep with her. Like, you're basically justifying everything that she's kind of telling you up until this point that you won't sleep with me, but you'll sleep with probably other people. So the other thing that I want to talk about too, since this is in my head, is when he says to her earlier on that he, um, he struggles to sleep with her because sometimes with her personality, she acts like a man. And that's a turn off for him. So I'm confused by this because are you acting that way? Or you think she's acting that way because she's asking for sex too much? Or she gets hyped up too much? Or is she kind of is quote unquote heavy handed with her um wanting to be more dominant in a relationship. That's, again, neither here nor there. That does not constitute her being more, quote-unquote, manly. Women want to have sex, too. Maybe a lot. That's on you. That's on anyone, really. Who cares? There are women who, um, definitely hype up more than men do. Like, I think, honestly, just thinking, I mean, there are men out there that can hype up, but I feel like, depending on who you're interacting with, men can be able to be a little more mellow before they hit a fuse, but nonetheless, that has nothing to do with it, right? And then, um, basically, too, with her quote-unquote want to be made more dominant in the relationship, Again, neither here nor there. There are women out there who maybe want to be a little more dominant. He's using the fact that she was male at birth as a crutch, which is ridiculous. Anyway, I really have nothing else to say about their storyline. Let's move on to um, Nick and Devin. Let's just get them over with. Um, They get there, back to the house, and the this is the difference between Memphis and Arkansas is, whoa. (laughs) 
but they get to the house. The house is really, as he says, big. And um, there is a lot of people living in this house. You have mom, you have dad, you have two sisters, brother, Nick, Devin, and a cat. That's too many people being in one fucking house. Lord Jesus. But anyways, he's a little more concerned about, you know, intimate time and alone time and that's fair. And um, there's another scene, obviously, with them where they're going through the streets of Cersei, Arkansas, and him obviously being very concerned because, you know, post-COVID, a lot of Americans, not just in the South, but South is a whole different ballgame, but a lot of people everywhere was bringing a lot of hate towards Asians because of COVID. So he's very concerned about that. But he, she shows him basically this mural that she did. Um, that's pretty good. Um, I don't know how far she got up there, but it was pretty good. And then they get to the statue of a Confederate soldier. And uh, I say, bring in the bulldozer. Let's knock that shit down. No one needs to knock that shit down. Because he's like, so he was for slavery? Yes. Yes, he was. So, yeah, let's knock that shit down. Anyway, then there's the next scene where they're having dinner. I think it was her grandparents. I'm not sure. I missed that. But um, thanks her grandparents. They're having dinner. They're doing the southern version of fish and chips, which is catfish and fries, obviously. And the grandmother, I think the grandmother, asks Nick, what is, what's the thoughts of Americans back in Korea, South Korea? And he says, well, we think greasy food and fat people. And he says this to two overweight people. <laughs> and she's like, oh my. <laughs> and then he makes it even worse by saying in front of everybody, no wonder you're a piggy to Devin. And starts like poking at her. And the thing is, it's like, I think it was the mom said something wrong lines of, we're not sure if he really understands, but like, it's not cool here. And I said, no, no, he understands. He knows it's not a good thing here in Western society to call someone a piggy, but yet he still does it. And she doesn't like it. And yet he still does it. So. Um, it looks like dad's going to come for him in the next episode about that. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, wait, he laughs at him. So we'll see. But, um, yeah, he, to me right now, I feel like Nick is not putting his best foot forward with her family. Um, it's not, I'm not liking it. I'm not liking it. Anyways, that's all my thoughts on Nick and Devin this episode. Let's move on to our new couple, Citra and Sam. So there's a lot here with them. I'm not going to remember every little detail, but Citra is 26 and she's from Indonesia. 
and we have Sam, who is 30, I believe. And where did you live? Somewhere. I don't remember where, but he lives somewhere in the States, obviously. And he has a little bit of a triggered past. He got addicted to painkillers um, when he was about 15, I think he said. And that addiction festered. And um, he really had a hard time with that. I think he ended up in prison because of this. And he has been sober now for 10 years. It has not been easy. He has relapsed. Not. I'm confused by this because he says that he's been sober for 10 years, but he has relapsed. So have you been sober for 10 years and you relapsed prior to that? Or have you been quote unquote sober for 10 years, but you've relapsed in the middle of that because then you're no longer sober for 10 years? I'm a little confused by the timeline. However, he says that it is as serious, like seriously, it's his goal to, you know, it be sober for Citra to get here. So before we head over to Citra, let's continue with him. So he works, um, I think it's like some sort of construction site thing. Um, and he, he, he works a lot. <laughs> and because of this, he, instead of commuting for an hour, both ways, he sleeps in his car and he gets ready in the gas station for work. Okay. But he does technically live with his dad, where his dad is um, the person he chose to live with. He does mention his mom very briefly and says that he his mom is very religious and his dad is not religious. I'm not sure if he's agnostic or what, but Sam does clearly say he is an atheist. And we're going to get to why this is being brought up. And that is why. The, the reason why is that his fiance, Sitra, is very devout in her religion and she is Muslim. She's very serious about everything that she needs to do to be a Muslim, praying. Um, she believes you have to pray like five times a day. There's a lot of rituals with that. Everything having to do with her religion, she's very serious about. I don't know how this is going to work because to make this even more awkward, she expects them to convert. Otherwise, they can't get married. Now, here's what I'll say. If he chooses to convert to Islam because that's something he wants to do, by all means, go for it. But if he doesn't, want to convert, you shouldn't enforce him. Or better yet, if this does not match up with what you expect, then don't marry this person. Real simple. You can't force someone into a religion, any religion. You can't do it. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel genuine at that point. Because he doesn't believe in anything. He doesn't believe in anything. So, like, I, I don't know what to say here, you know? Um, so I don't know if this is going to work, but let's get more into this though. Basically, they're going to have to get married in within two weeks of her landing because they haven't had sex and 
you can't live together in sin for 90 days. So you guys don't have to get married in two weeks. That way, y'all can fucking have fun. Oh, and let's add to the fact that her dad's coming three days after she arrives to make sure they don't live in sin. And y'all, he's a cop. He's a fucking cop. And this guy's a dry addict. It's not going to go good, but um, I guess we'll see how that turns out. But anyways, that's it for Sam and Citra. Who else did we have? <laughs> okay, let's do um, Rob and Sophie. There was enough. Well, there's enough here. The first scene that we kind of get with them is the bowling scene where he basically gets told off by his friend Ty and Tarai for not telling him the full truth of what happened. Because Tarai goes to her and he's like, what's with going through his phone? Like, why are you doing that? And she's like, didn't he tell you why? And he's like, what do you mean? And she tells Tarai, well, he did it again. And Tarai says, why didn't you fucking tell me that? Like, why did you allow me to form an opinion on her yeah, you didn't tell me the full truth. And Rob, in pure Rob fashion, is like, well, what do you mean? I don't see a problem. I didn't tell you to form that opinion. Like, I don't see anything wrong. I said I did, I did wrong. It was a problem. The problem is, Rob, is that if you're going to talk shit, tell the full shit. He didn't tell the full shit. He told part of the shit. And then because Duras calling you out on it, you got a problem. As you respect to try for this, because I've been having issues with try, but I had to, I, I respected him fully in this moment to call Rob out and say, don't tell me shit if you're not going to tell me the full shit. Good for you. Anyway, the next scene, which we have no conclusion to, is that Sophie does decide she's going to tell Rob on the day they're going to go ring shopping. I feel like that's on a Good time <laughs> to go and tell your man that you're by, but she does tell him. And we have no resolution to that. So that's basically it. It's all of my thoughts on Rob and Sophie. Let's jump into the last couple, Ashley and Manuel. So Ashley and Manuel talk about the whole situation from last week. And I mean, she walks away from the conversation because he's too mad. He's want to have the conversation, basically. Like, he's like, this is it. I'm the full package. Either you marry me as a full package or don't. Fair. But then in the next scene, what the fuck is trash plate or what the fuck? Is, that whole scenario is kind of disgusting. Anyway, they, um, Talk wedding. And talking wedding is basically them deciding that they want to have a destination wedding in Florida. But they're going to have a destination wedding. And they're talking prices, which is like $250 for two tickets. I think round trip. That's 
that's a steal. But with everything in taxes, it costs about six fifteen. And he's like, well, why is it not one of the agents at two fifty? Why is it six fifteen? He doesn't understand taxes, fees, all that. But anyways, he basically says to her, like, spending this money on this quote unquote destination wedding, it's too much. He'd rather put money into other things. So, and the thing is, it's like, why go to Florida? Your family, his family's in New York. Go get married in Lake Ontario where you just were. Y'all, let me say this too. As a person who lives right near Lake Ontario, don't fucking go in the water. You will come out with an extra limb. Let's move on. Um, and then basically they decide that they are going to do a hundred dollars a month to his family and discuss more after the, uh, the wedding. He's in agreement with this and that's basically it for now. There's not much else that really happened in this episode. I think it was a decent episode for the most part. Um... I don't think I missed anything too crazy. Um, happy to see them in couple. Finally, <laughs> you have everybody. And uh, that's it. That's all I have to say on this episode. 